1: Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch.
0: Forty five dollars upfront for three months, plus taxes and fees. Promote
2: for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Everyone brought us up.
0: This is Paper Talk,
2: the Irish Examiner GAA podcast.
3: Hello there and welcome to Irish Examiners Paper Talk, our uh, review of the Allianz League weekend. Now, the third weekend of the Allianz Football League may have been impacted by the weather with four postponements, but that doesn't mean a lack of talking points from around the country. Our first topic of conversation is a frightening incident at Cusick Park in Ennis, which resulted in a Tipperary football selector removed to hospital. And Owen Cormican was there for us. Uh, Owen, so just give us... Uh, the 60-second version of what exactly happened.
2: Uh, yeah, I suppose frightening would be the, the correct word. The game yesterday was 46 minutes old, column when the play spilled out over the sideline in front of the main stand. Now, player's Jamie Malone, his momentum appeared to take him into the path of Shane Stapleton, the Tipperary selector, knocking Stapleton backwards, and Stapleton banged his head off the concrete path in front of the main stand. Now, Stapleton got back up uh, at the time and appeared to be okay. But four minutes later, we looked back down onto the sideline and Stapleton had, in fact, collapsed. So there was obviously a delayed reaction. He was attended to by medical personnel on both sides, you know, clear and officials working together. They turned him onto his side and I suppose seven or eight minutes later, seven or eight he being attended to, he was stretched down the tunnel. The ambulance was called. Now, the ambulance didn't arrive until after the game had finished, and maybe 10 or 15 minutes after the game had finished. He was taken by ambulance to Limerick University Hospital, and the word from the the Tipperary camp last night was that he was being kept overnight, but that he, he appeared to be doing
3: okay, which I suppose is, is what you want to hear. Now I suppose Owen for people that haven't been in Cusick Park before it is an extremely tight ground there is very little leeway between the sideline and the fencing that separates the stand from the pitch. Yeah that's quite a busy
2: area in front of the tunnel there Um, there's always lots of officials congregated there because as you said look the space is very tight between the main tunnel and the actual pitch and I suppose that's you know, the example of that is um, the fact that the concrete of the tunnel comes out to within maybe a couple of metres um, of the pitch, and that's why while Stapleton was standing on the pitch when he or when well, he was standing on the side and when he was knocked backwards, he hit his head off the concrete. So yeah, that gives you an example, or was that just tells you you know how tight it is. Now Liam, current superior manager, was telling us afterwards that he appeared um, to have a seizure while lying on the ground. Obviously, Liam wasn't sure, but they were the words that he he gave us. Um, so it was quite frightening. But as, as I said, look, it was from the
3: Tipperary camp last night that Shane was doing well in University Hospital Limerick. Okay. Well, we in uh, the Irish Examiner, indeed, and I'm sure in the greater GA community, will wish uh, Shane uh, a speedy recovery and uh, hopefully we'll see him back on the sideline in the non too distant future in terms of the game itself obviously on oh, this this the huge talking point but this was a, a, a massive monster derby as well too yeah and i suppose look the game the game
2: did swing on that you know that talking point of, of stableton's injury because claire had been trailing 7-5 at the break and but had the the wind in the second half and it got it back level to 7 all and i suppose the instant occurred then um, and Jamie Malone, I suppose, as, as I've already said, was the individual who collided with Stapleton. Now, the referee, I'm not sure did he see it, but he he consulted with his linesman, and then the linesman, or the, the referee, rather, showed Jamie a straight red card. So, Clare, at this stage, having the momentum, are now down to 40, men, and I suppose it should be noted that the Clare management went berserk in the sideline at this red card. Um, it did seem somewhat harsh call, because after Shane had had been knocked down and got back up. Jamie appeared to apologize to Shane for knocking him down. It genuinely did not seem intentional. The referee uh, obviously thought otherwise because the red card was shown. David Tubberty, the clear forward, was none too pleased with Malone's straight red card. He clearly said something to referee Jerome Henry because Jerome Henry then showed David Tubberty a black card. So they'd lost two of their best forwards within the space of a minute. Um, and then Tip went back down the field and kicked two points to kind of grab him to, again. Now, Clare did come back, got it level, and had the chances to win it. They had the numerous chances, and, and they really will be disappointed at not taking the, the two points here because they needed the two points after last week's pumping at the hand of of Meath. And even Liam Kearns afterwards said if he was in the Clare camp, he would have been disappointed um, at if he was in the Clare camp, but not having taken the win. Certainly for, for Clare, it, it was a point lost. For Tip, it was a point gained. Um, and Tip now sit relatively comfortably mid table, but Clare in the relegation zone with two draws and one defeat from three games. So, you know, they've a, they've a tough couple of weeks ahead to, to work themselves
3: out of the relegation zone. Okay, very quickly, On. you spoke to Liam Kearns, the Tipperary manager, afterwards. The big topic at the moment with a lot of managers is the entire issue of juggling players who are involved in third-level colleges and Sigerson and all, all the other competitions and then the demands of uh, league football. Uh, Liam Kearns, not best impressed with the, the demands being placed on his players? No, um, absolutely not. And I suppose,
2: look, such as the, the growing stature of Tipperary football. They have a number of players involved with the top level Sigerson teams you know they have two lads on the UCD team Liam Casey and Jimmy Feehan and they have Jack Kennedy's on the UCC team like Jack Kennedy now is playing his third league game today and he played two games at UCC as well so that's five games in the space of two weeks Liam is not happy with that and even though he says he's in constant communication with the various uh, Sigerson Cup managers uh, he still feels their workload is too much, that the volume of games is too much for this time of year. But I suppose Liam, like everyone else, doesn't have a solution as to what do you do. You know, when do you start the Sigerson Cup? When do you start the National Football League? That these two competitions are not running concurrently. And you have the case, you know, where Jack Kennedy is playing five games in two weeks, where Jimmy Feehan and Liam Casey, if they start for UCD in Wednesday Sigerson Cup semi final, will be playing four games in ten days. He didn't have the answer, but nonetheless he expressed frustration at what these players are being asked to do.
3: Uh, thanks indeed to Owen Cormican in Cusick Park in Ennis for that. Now we'll be hearing from John Dively in just a moment's time, but before that, let's hear the thoughts of Tipperary manager Liam Kearns after that clash against Clare in Cusick Park in Ennis.
0: Yeah, I thought we—it's the worst have I can't remember us playing as badly as we did in the first half in particular. And um, and that's what I told him at half time and we were very lucky. Yeah, Clare were fortunate we very unfortunate to win the game. I would say overall Clare deserved. Away game and we had a real tough game against Roscommon, where we played all the football and got nothing out of it. So, I, I, to be honest with you, that's we'll have to look at it. But um, certainly, we did not perform out there today, and that's that's the bottom line. But it's a point gained For me, it's a point game. You know, away from home, and um, I would say Clare are very disappointed, and, and they should be because um, they definitely, you know, played well enough to win the game.
2: What was the injury to Michael then, in the first half? Uh, very
0: badly bruised ribs, and couldn't catch catch his breath, so we had to take him off. And um, yeah, he's... Yeah, I, well, we, hopefully he won't be... He won't be, you know... I, I have to say, too, um, in my view, a, a load of my players are playing Sigerson matches in between, and, like, I felt sorry for Jack Kennedy out there, and Liam Casey, another man who's played... He's played with UC... And he's gone out again on Tuesday to play for UCD again. Jimmy Fee and another man. Uh, I don't know. but Somebody has to look at it and say that, you know, asking players to play Sigerson where they want to be at their sharpest, and then come in and try and play league matches, and... I mean, I heard of young Russell there for player playing something like seven matches in 12 days. Like somebody has to look at that. That's that's like they're they're not about fixtures, and and, but players have they have to start putting players. and 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 another bugbear of mine, like we look after their workload. We don't. I didn't train any of them the, uh, last week because we just rested them and the recovery. And that's what happens, in my opinion, with most county teams. It's not the county teams that are this. This perception's out there that they're being flogged with the county. That's not what the reality for me and any of the managers I know they don't flog their players either you Now that's and I'm only talking for the few I know and I'm talking for our setup. up we, we give them as much break as we can but like Emmett Maloney now we had to leave him off last week because he, he had to play on the 21 uh, with his club and he had to play colleges on the Thursday he played again this Thursday and I just think that um, we're flogging the players and at some stage you know somebody has to say enough no the players won't complain they'll go out and they'll do their best every time but like and, and, and I'm not listen Clare had four guys played for UL during the week Like, they went up to uh, Jordanstown and Ulster, like. So, like, and the four of them came out there and gave their all out there again. But I'm saying somebody needs to say this isn't right. Either start the league earlier or play the Sigerson earlier, but stop putting them out in the same weeks.
3: Now, we're turning our attention to uh, some of the other... Division 1 action from the weekend, and I'm delighted to welcome John Dively to the the podcast. Uh, John, you must be uh, a happy Galway man, a lot of happy Galway men, on this this Monday after the uh, victory over Mayo, and a hard-fought game, were you expecting it to be as as spicy so early in the spring? Um,
1: Yes, we we were hoping it would be spicy from a Galway point of view, because um, you know, I know we've beaten them now a couple of times in the last few years, but we were a long time in the doldrums and Mayo had the upper hand nearly every time they came to Joom or Pierce Stadium. So it's the times are changing slightly. Um, obviously it's just an appetizer now for for Castle Bar in the championship in June and that's gonna be some game. Um, Galway obviously now have developed, you know, thirteen man behind the ball strategy. invite invite opposing teams into the middle third, try and take them over, try and tackle aggressively and, you know, um, ferociously and disciplined, and then take them on the counter and have some good runners to do that. And uh, it worked quite well uh, at times, and at other times we conceded some soft freeze and more worryingly couple of guys opened their mouth and brought the ball forward and made the freeze easier. So we need, to, you know, but we have time to learn on them little things. And I'm sure Kevin and Paddy Talley will be working hard on that in the next two or three league games. That, you know, if we do give away a freeze, that they're a little bit outside the scoring zone. And whatever we do, we don't open our mouths. But yeah, look, it was a good start. And, you know, six points on the board. We should be safe, Um, you can never say never, but we should be safe with six points and um, it gives Kevin a chance now maybe to try out a couple of new guys in in, in the next couple of games as well.
3: It's been an incredible showing over the last couple of weeks, uh, John. When you consider the difficulty a lot of teams have when they come up from Division 2 to Division 1, how often do we see them dropping nearly straight back down or, or, or struggling by their by their very fingertips to to hold on to their top flight status. Very true,
1: but I mean, I think as soon as we had regained Division One status, you know, the word going around all of Galway uh, from supporters and former players was we have to maintain Division One status at all costs. We have to take the approach that Ross Common took two years ago, and they went hell for leather. They were playing Championship pace for the league. At the cost of maybe championship but for us to develop and, and and stay competitive for the next few years we have to stay in division one so it's a risk worth taking you know putting all your eggs into you know into the league and um you know it's paid off now you know um, even at this early stage with three victories so um it was the only way we had to go at it you know survive division one make the Super that's a good year for for Galway in,
3: in, in, in my eyes um, regardless of if we win a common championship or not yeah but again you know you mentioned the Common example there they were setting the world alight I remember this time two years ago defeating Kerry down in Killarney and all the big talk about them and then the summer ended not so much a bang as a whimper uh, you know is, is that something though that the, the Galway public will be happy with great in February beating Mayo but been beaten by Mayo in the Connacht Championship in June, uh, how well will that sit in the county?
1: Look, it's a 50-50 game um, all Goal and Mayo Championship games are 50-50 I mean, if you went into the last two years goalie were the favourites to win the last two Championship encounters, and we did um, yet we kind of knew that Mayo were still further down the road than we were, and would go further in the Championship, and that materialised so, you know, I have no problem saying that if Mayo do overturn Galway in the Championship this year, which I hope they don't, and if Galway keep progressing um, the way they are, there's no reason to say why Galway can't beat them for three years in a row. Uh, you know, The biggest thing is to make the Super 8s, and, and that because the Super 8s are now in, um, it gives teams outside of the, the top two or three something really to aim for, and you're guaranteed two or three games and anything can happen then. So, I mean from what Ross commented two years ago, things have changed and changed drastically even since then. So, um,
3: you know, you can't really compare uh, two years ago and now. Okay. Want to talk to you very quickly about Mayo complaining during the week about the physicality and the Kerry game last weekend. This weekend, they have two men sent off. So are they being hard done by or what's the issue?
1: I don't know what the issue is. I mean, that they can have no complaints with the two uh, red cards. I mean, Jeremy O'Connor got a second yellow. It was probably a cop-out by the rest because he was on a yellow. So it was easy to give him the second yellow, but it was a horrendous tackle. killian O'Connor has been prone to these outbursts over the last few years. And I mean, look, we, we all get frustrated in, in games of football when you're not winning and when things aren't going your way. But I mean, experience and leadership has to really come into play. And that game was still there for Mayo to win today, yet they just, you know, Galway sucked them in, and and, um, Galway were loving it. I mean, Paul Conroy, you know, win I've never seen in the last, well, a long, long time, Aidan O'Shea losing a a one-on-one throw up in the middle of the field, and he did, Conroy won it and drove forward. And um, While Mayo bossed the middle of the field for a long time, and were getting on breaks, Galway really just like sat back and, and invited them in and they hit them with everything they got. So obviously maybe Mayo and to be fair to Mayo, they're not long back. They had a two week holiday. They only came back training properly a week before the National League. So maybe they're not just as physically conditioned as Galway are at the moment. Galway at home really want to lay down a marker and win, which is what you expect for any home team you know you can't come into your backyard and just be bullied so Galway really hit them Mayo didn't like it um, Mayo don't like it um, and they never have when, when you when you stand up to them physically so Mayo have a bit of soul searching to do um, they, they are missing five or six regulars to be fair to them and they will come in and make make them a much stronger team come in the league and championship so you know Mayo won't panic at all at this stage but they they uh, they won't be too happy tonight going home and you know even Tony McIntyre running in like it wasn't the cleverest move from Tony Um, and he's an experienced player and mentor Um, and I mean thankfully none of the Galway lads lashed out at him because you could have seen a situation there where a Galway player said what are you doing in here and you know maybe hit him Um, so thankfully that didn't materialise either you know
3: well, I'd say now the county boards in Galway and Mayo will have enough in their plate from what did go on on the field of play in the course of the clash. Very quickly, I um, want to talk to you about Dublin and Donegal on Saturday night. You were very impressed by some of the the lesser lights, if I can use that phrase.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought, um, you know, the lesser lights for Donegal and Dublin, they were really... They really played some great football, and, and, and they went out as uh, Stephen McBride, I thought was fantastic around the middle of the field. On uh, Bond Gallagher coming out of the back, Ryan McHugh has been doing it for years. He's still only a young lad, but he was very, very impressive again. And Jamie Brennan up front. I mean, um, Philly McMahon, even at this early stage, you know, might be um, looking over his shoulder at other. Dublin backs that might take his place come the championship because he looked a, a, a good bit off the pace um, on um, on Saturday evening so yeah Donegal very impressive for a lot of their players and um, Dublin you know the the, the the new kids on the block as, as I call them Bascals Howard Scullies exceptional and played really really smart intelligent aggressive football and um, you know it was good to see it was really really good to see
3: A huge result for Tyrone against Kildare even though Keane O'Neill far from impressed by the, the refereeing in that clash that, that cost him so dearly
1: Yeah um, you know there seemed to be a lot of Peculiar decisions towards the end uh, that Keane um, is not happy with and one won't be happy with when he looks back again at it um, and it leads Kildare propping up the division with Johnny Gall. Um, so, you know, again, there's probably a lot of head scratching in Kildare at the moment. You know, we should have bet Monaghan at home. Why didn't we? We probably had the chances to beat Tyrone today. Why didn't we? So, now from a case of being possibly two or even three points on the board. Um, They have nothing. And uh, every week now that passes makes the challenge more difficult. Uh, Great win for for Tyrone, obviously. Um, They they, um, they eked it out. So um, Kildare have a lot of work to do. But, you know, they still have the players to do it. Um, And they're still obviously going to be, you know, they're in the driving seat to face Dublin in the Leinster final because of the side of the draw they're on so you know all is not lost
3: yet until there Okay, I'm going to ask you to take off your analyst cap and I'm going to ask you to put on your UCD Sigerson cap lot of issues at the moment John regarding the demands on players the managers in a number of top flight teams have been mentioning it over the last couple of weekends the uh the juggling act between National League football and Sigerson football. What is the solution as far as you're concerned? And what sort of contact do you have with county managers? And how do you manage the the workloads and the entire issues?
1: Uh, I mean, this problem is um, has been there for at least ten years. I'm I'm about eight or nine years involved with with Sigerson football, and it's been there. It's gone back that long. I mean, how do you solve it? The only way that I can see to solve this is um, you know take sigerson players out of the National League um, for the first one or two games so while the college is still involved in Sigerson and there's players that want to play Sigerson yet who are involved in intercounty panels that they're not asked to kind of play with their county until they're out that is the only way I can see going forward you can't bring the competition to pre-Christmas because they're they're only back, and players need an off season. So if you're asking players to play championship football in November, December, it's not fair in them because they're still a lot of them are still involved in club championships, which obviously run late. So you come to January, February, the traditional time to play the Sigurdsson Cup. It's over a hundred years old. It's running longer than any national league. Players they want to play for both teams, and um, they're getting caught in the middle. I have very good communication lines with any of the intercontinental um, managers I'm dealing with Yes, obviously they want their guys to play with them I want them fresh for me So the problem is, you know, how do you keep both happy? You can't And um, ultimately, now that the National League is being brought forward You know, they're playing week on week And it's just a recipe for injuries That's all it is Um it's 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 just a recipe for injuries and then and the, the one who loses is the player that's ultimately the one who loses out here
3: but the, the, the players must be under tremendous pressure John especially for example if a young fellow was on a scholarship has you in one ear and then has a county manager in the other ear and, and they're, they're torn, and we've seen, for example, David Clifford, of course, recently, the hamstring injury between IT Tralee and his carry commitments and everything like that. And the ironic thing is all this talk about the wear and tear and demands on, on players, there seems to be plenty of talk about it, but very little action.
1: Yeah, and, and, and there won't be action until until the GEA kind of bring in a decision, and the higher the colleges committee make a decision look we need to trial this out here for, for, for a year or two years go to every player that you have in your college panel you're on you're on a panel for Galway for example you talk to Kevin Welch Kevin I have three players here in UCD they're also with you they want to stay with UCD until Sigerson is over they'll do the strength and conditioning with Galway as normal they can even do the training with Galway as normal but they won't be asked to play a National League game Sunday, Sigerson Tuesday, National League game. Even if that was taken away, I mean, the most that a, a player would miss is two games. Now, two games out of possibly seven league games and six or seven championship games is not a lot to ask. Unfortunately, you know, some, some managers can't take the blinkers off and they can't see the bigger picture. So um, it won't be solved between Sigerson managers and Intercounty managers. It will only be solved if if the powers that be, you know, stand up and make a decision and then trial it. Just trial it out and see what happens. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, pulled from Billy to Jack. Now, look, we're talking about a few isolated incidents as well. Not every player gets injured. Um, You know, I have lots of players that have played um, three or four games in two or three weeks. They're fine. They're perfectly fine. But probably the reason they're fine is they don't train. Um, actually, at all, they just go from game, rest for three days, game, and but that is the only way you can do it, and you can't ask them to train in between because you won't get the best out of them, and mentally they're going to be really, really tired, which is which is which is a bigger a bigger issue.
3: And uh, that's where we're going to have to wrap up the program for this week. My thanks to Owen Cormican and to John Dively. Uh, don't forget, we're back again, same time, same place next Monday. You can check us out on SoundCloud on iTunes, and on irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello?